welcome. It is time for Peer Pressure. My guest today is Jeff Wagner, former editor of Metal Maniacs magazine and uh, author of Mean Deviation, Four Decades of Progressive Heavy Metal. Oh. (laughs) And in this podcast, you're going to hear a few tunes, and I'd like to thank Tom from WHW for permission. I'd also like to thank Season of Mist and Earache Records for permission for their music on the podcast. Thanks to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast. And for Liz Berg for handling all the other podcast duties. Stay tuned, we are WFMU. Jeff Wagner, are you there? Uh, I'm here. He is here. here. Fabulous. Well, welcome and thank you for being on the program. Thank you. When I called Jeff before, he was uh, he was getting ready for his appearance. He was putting on, lashing his furs and grabbing his sword for this program. So thank you for, for really being in. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Faux furs, by the way. Faux furs. Yeah. Oh, very good. Very good. We appreciate that. Yep. So Jeff, you're on the program here because you're a noted metal journalist and you've written a book, which I would certainly like to talk about. It is Mean Deviation, Four Decades of Progressive Metal. That's the one. When did the book come out, and how long did it take you to write the book? The book came out uh, almost two years ago now. I think, well, it was December 2010, which means it's already considerably dated because uh, I'm writing about some current things, and many things have happened since. And I started writing it in, like, early 2008. So I guess it took about two years of a lot of hard cramming and, and rearranging. I, a lot of the stuff was already in my head, but it was just to get all that out on paper was a challenge of my life, definitely. You said a lot of it was in your head. Were you compelled to do it, or was it more like an idea, like, oh, this would be a great idea for, for a book, like, or you were driven to... Uh... I was totally driven to do it. I mean, in fact, Ian Christie, who everybody knows, several different hats that he wears, you know, Sound of the Beast book, Bazillion Points publisher. And he uh, used to be a WFMU DJ. He did, and now he's on uh, Sirius XM. Good gig there. He had kind of pushed me along to do it for years before he even had a publishing company. Just kind of knowing that my interest lied in not just metal in general, but kind of the more eclectic, you know, eccentric, progressive area. And, uh, you know, a book hadn't been written on the subject yet, so I thought I'd tackle it. And once he started the publishing company, it was uh, it's pretty easy to do. And as far as it being all in my head, I mean, you know, obviously I had a lot of outlining and arranging to do, but, you know, it was it was probably something I was destined to write as weirder trite as that might sound. It was just like something that had to come out of me, I think, really. I completely get that, and I, and I know you for some time, and it's it's no surprise. And that's, that was really kind of what I was getting at, you know, yeah. to see. And and uh, away from Voivod did the, the artwork. He did, cover. and that was, you know, that was like an honor. I've got a good bit of contact with Voivod oh. over the years, especially right. away, but when he decide, when he agreed to do my cover, I the 15-year-old Voivod fan of me was just jumping for joy Yay. you know around the room yeah i was just like i can die happy now this is this is such an honor yeah uh, and you know the, the additional honor stacked on top of that was stephen wilson from porcupine tree doing the intro mm-hmm. uh, and having some correspondence with him about what the book was all about and him agreeing to do it and very enthusiastically and i think he turned in an intro that is short but it's uh, the perfect summation of the book what was it like for you when you were doing the book were there a lot of bands that you were contacting for the book that you're really more sort of fanboy about 
that you hadn't been in contact with previously? I mean, because you, you were editor of Metal Maniacs for so long. I, yeah. I would assume that you actually had had contact with mostly everybody, but did anybody fall into that category? Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, I because I, I had had contact with Jim from Fate's Warning and mm-hmm. uh, Ron from Watchtower, uh, um, you know, and a number of these other guys. Uh, you know, I would have liked to have interviewed Rush. That would have been um, fantastic. I ended up finding quotes from other sources that I just used because they worked. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you try to? I-, I tried in the early stages. I think if I had had a little more to show them, then they would onto that. But no, I there wasn't really anybody that like I had first contact with because of the book. I, I've just kind of been immersed in this world for so long that in a lot of cases it was just like opening up my address book and you know emailing some of these guys. So. And when you say you've been in, immersed in this world for so long, what was your real, like, really as a child, your first sort of shift in music into metal? Or, or what was kind of your, your transition like? Um, the transition was like being a KISS fan from like age six, seven, eight, you know, how they were of the same generation, you and I, so you probably understand how, mm-hmm. or remember how kind of superhero-like they were for a lot of kids. <laughs> and, and they were very much a gateway for a lot of people. Oh, I yeah. still love them to this day. I don't necessarily like what they're doing nowadays but the point is you know i'm a big fan and i that once i got into the early 80s i was you know 12 13 years old you discover fm radio and then you discover things like i mean the the radio station i listened to in the midwest was radical enough to play something like saxon or even early queensryche mm, wow. uh, and you know in, in 83 when the yeah. ep came out and of course jewish priest and iron maiden uh, they would play. So that became the next step, and then it just all kind of <laughs> really snowballed from there. What was your background to start writing? I mean, was that a, a, a vocation that you knew you wanted to go into? <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know, in fact, friends of mine in, in junior high, we used to keep, like, playlists and trade them amongst ourselves on sheets of loose-leaf paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were already kind of getting into the total geek world and doing a lot of listening, and I think that's that prepares you for kind of becoming more of a super fan, I guess. And basically, I was buying some fanzines and magazines like Metal Forces and stuff. I knew that I wanted to write uh, on a more regular basis, so I think I got in touch with a couple smaller fanzines. Anti-Poser was one of them from Canada. Here and there, I just contact people and go, hey, uh, can I do a Metallica review? Whatever it was, a classic case of one thing leading to another and following your your passion. And by the mid-90s, I'm working at Relapse Records. A couple years later, I'm working at you know, Metal Maniacs as an editor, so it was all kind of... It all fell into place. All fell into place. Yeah. I've had people ask me, like, oh, hey, dude, how do you get into doing what you do? And, like, you know, I'm like, well, there's no school for it. And I would right. also never tell you to, you know, drop out of college like I did to pursue it, because you got to find your own path. And, and my path was an unorthodox one that I wouldn't recommend anybody else do, but it worked for me, so... Did you get any advice on, on the way in terms of just following your path or in writing in general that you thought was some of the, the best advice you ever got? Hmm. I know that I have. I don't know if I can't think of one like nice snippet to tell you. Okay. But I know that people like uh, just having some kind of brief correspondence with people like Borovoy Cregan and Don Kay and um, Eula Garrett, uh, who's still a very good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of guys, you know, were doing either fanzines or getting into the professional world a little bit. I saw them doing it, and I felt like, why can't I? You know what I mean? Why can't I follow my passion the way these guys have? And kind of make something more out of it. So I think I, I looked up to them in the early times as leading the way. When you were writing your book, was that alongside another job? Like, what was your day like? Were you juggling a whole lot of day-to-day stuff? Too? Uh, when I was writing my book, I was living in the country in Virginia. I had been there for 10 years, and I was working at the End Records from home. And then uh, I think at some point, 
no, I'm sorry. After the book came out, I, then I transitioned to Century Media. So, um, so I've just you know I've had label jobs, work at home label jobs since I left Maniacs. My thought is that if you're taking on a labor of love, there's nothing else you really want to do. Hmm, yeah. So you're sort of like, oh yeah, right. I've got to put in a, a half an hour of work, and I've got to go back to the book. Right. Well, here's here's what I did. I mean, in 2001, when I when I left Maniacs, I was jobless for six months. That was by design. I wanted to get settled down there. There were a number of books, actually, that I was set to write. I mean, everything from, like, Rob Halford's biography, which still is unwritten. He, he wanted me to do it. We had approached a couple of publishing companies, fell through for one reason or another. I was talking to Slayer's people about a book. It, it didn't go very far. A couple other things happened. But what I, what I realized was, like, how am I going to write a book and, and maintain, like, a day job? I'm just going to be frazzled at the end of the day. There's no way I can write that way. Right. Um, so I just kind of put the, the book idea on the back burner and started working for uh, Century Media in 2001, who I'm now back with. So I, I just did the label thing for a while. And when this book opportunity came up, I, it was something I was so passionate about and so wanted to do more than any other book opportunity I had you know, previous to that. I just decided to go for it. I decided what I'm going to do is write on the weekends. I'm just going to absolutely like kill two years of weekends and, <laughs> and do, this, do this book because I want to see it done. I want to see it out there. And I'll do my day job during the week. I thought about it, of course, 24-7, seven days a week. Right. Uh, and I would make notes. And I would do a little bit of writing here and there. But most of, the, most of the really intense work was done on the weekends for about two years. And it was a lot of work. You know, it really put me in my own cocoon there for a while. And can you tell the listeners, um, how is your book laid out? Is it more timeline-wise or by band? Or what was the way that you decided to structure it? It starts out timeline-wise. It starts with looking at progressive rock and going back to like what I think was a very, a very uh, pivotal year, 1967, where you had um, Frank Zappa's first album, the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's, the first Pink Floyd album. You know, these very album-formatted type albums where it wasn't about singles anymore. And these bands were, in effect, at the time, progressive. So I start there. I get into you know, the 70s, uh, early metal, looking at even early Priest and Scorpions, who were definitely a little bit more eclectic than they ended up being. And then just kind of take it into the 80s. Once you get into the 80s and 90s with what I'm calling progressive metal, which is a wide definition, it was very hard to timeline. And I just kind of more took it by either geography or style um, and went from there. It's quite a large umbrella uh, once you get into that part of the book. Yeah. And it's got a beautiful 16-page color spread. I mean, I think the stuff that Bazillion Points does in, in terms of the, the books they put out, they're works of art, I and mean, they look beautiful. So, yeah. you know, even if somebody reads my book and thinks that, you know, the writing sucks, I, I'm glad that it looks amazing because uh, <laughs> it, it, it really does, you know. Um, the writing does not suck, Jeff Wagner. You're a very talented individual. and I'm I'm going to uh, assure the listeners that doesn't that it definitely doesn't suck. Is it available on the Bazillion Points? Bazillionpoints.com. Um, of course, Amazon. I've seen it at Barnes and Nobles before. I've seen it at smaller bookstores. So, it's totally out there. You know, obviously, today's world, you can just Google it up and order it within two minutes. You know. What I mean? uh, but yeah, Bazillionpoints.com. I believe they still have signed copies, and they have like a little sort of pin of the cover artwork. By the way. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and I don't think you can get that anywhere else, so it's, it's kind of a cool thing. Oh, that's your, very cool. On your cool. denim, fly yeah. the flag, you know, that kind of thing. At last year's Roadburn, and that's actually where Jeff and I reconnected. We've known each other for years, and then we ran into each other in, in uh, the Netherlands. Yeah, um, I think we, was it at the, uh, the Voivod press conference? Yes, it was. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And, and how, did it, uh, how did that go where you were, you were the Q&A 
facilitator, moderator. Eula Garrett lives over there now. His girlfriend is a big part of the Roadburn organization, mm-hmm. and they, they both know what a big Voivod fan I am. So because they were curating the event and they were playing two nights and they wanted to do a Q&A, uh, as they, I guess they do that every year with the curator, um, they asked me to do the Q&A. And, of course, I was happy to do it. I mean, any, any, anything to do with Voivod, I... I'll I'll step up. I'm with you, brother. Yeah, I know you are, and, and, and no wonder we met at the press conference <laughs> right, again, right? Yeah. We reacquainted. I recognized you and thought, well, no wonder. I, I imagine that's why you were partly there. Absolutely. That, uh, that's, yeah, that's why I went. To you see know. the gods. Of course. And so happy to support them. And what's your view on Voivod, Mach, whatever it is? I mean, we can talk about lineup changes, but without Piggy and really going on with a new person on guitar, what's your uh, your take on the genesis of Voivod? Immediately once Piggy died, it, it just seemed like Voivod could not continue. He was uh, a main riff writer, obviously hugely significant in their style, their sound, that, yeah. that very particular Voivod thing. Um, but it's one of these things where like, I think time finally caught up to this always underrated band, and people kind of gave Voivod a lot more credit or became more interested in them as a whole, and the band had to kind of like answer to that and play some live shows, and I think they did some piggy tribute shows, and kind of all that coalesced, and, and I think the rest of the guys in Voivod realized, you know, look, there's still a demand out there for us, there's a love for us out there, and that wasn't always the case, they were always kind of this odd band out for... For a very long time, For, yeah. for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, like they've had a lot of ups and downs, and, you know, with Blackie, the original bassist back on board, I think... You know, they've got three-quarters of the original Voivod lineup, and, and I don't think there's anybody else in the world that could do the job that Daniel Mongrain is doing with them. Absolutely. He's, he's unbelievable. Yeah. And this guy, was a, this guy learned guitar be, largely because of Piggy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a huge Voivod fan himself. He's a Canadian. His first metal show was a Voivod show. So it just, he's just kind of like... Yeah, he's the one. He's heir apparent. He's destined to have this gig, and you've seen them live with him now, and and I've heard the new album, and it's totally incredible, and he's a huge part of why it's incredible. So I'm all for it. I think it's fantastic that they're going on, and they, they have a lot more attention on them now than they have for a long time. Well, it is, and they do really deserve it, and it's just, it's wonderful to see when you've rooted for an underdog band for years, for them to, to get their just desserts or at least some recognition. We have a question from a listener. They want to know, if Rush are such a smart band, why are their videos so hysterically terrible? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's an easy one for me to answer because I think some of the best bands in the world have hysterically terrible videos. I, mm. I think the medium of video is a mostly unsatisfying art form, I guess I'll say. Oh. I, I don't like it. So let, let, all, let great bands like Rush make bad videos. I don't really care about video. So <laughs> that's my easy way of getting out of that answer. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I think they're more an album band. They're more a song band. I mean, they're more a band that, you know, cre- create the image in your mind when you listen to them. There are probably like a hand, like five great, truly great music videos out there. I know it sounds, that's my belief. Well, I'm one of those people that doesn't even look at music videos, so... Yeah, no, I could care know. less, Yeah, <laughs> quite yeah. honestly. I gotcha. So you are here to be a guest DJ. I would like to start your set and talk a little bit about what it is that you're presenting here today. Sure. Really, you know, I thought, I've done a lot of interviews about the book, and, and those are kind of winding down because it's about two years old. I mean, it's still a relevant book, but I thought, I don't really want to go all prog metal with this. I, so I thought I'd just take you and the listeners through like a very virtual and kind of random walk through my music collection. Not the non-metal stuff, because this is a metal show, because I have a ton of non-metal interests. But, so that's what I did. Basically, we're going to start with a band called Solafald from Norway. Very eclectic and weird band. I'm not sure how to 
how to label them, but they're just one of those great kind of post-black metal Norwegian bands along the lines of Arcturus or, you know, Enslaved or, you know, any number of these these guys. And this particular song is like a very much like a kind of this pagan Viking metal thing, which I don't think they've gone that far into that world as much as they do on this song. Uh, it's kind of just kind of a fun song to start with. For the old schooler like me, it reminds me a little bit of Skyclad and Manowar. I'm mm. sure some younger kids will think of like Fintroll or Corpaclani maybe, but it's all Solifold, so that's, that's where we're starting. All right. Very good. So my guest is Jeff Wagner. He is the author of Mean Deviation, the uh, four decades of progressive heavy metal. You can check out the bazillionpoints.com website. Uh, to acquire the book, and it is available on Amazon, etc. We're going to go to some solo file now, and we shall return. Hang on. The black heart said that you feel the foul smell. Ten years ago, the corpses gave us hell Bible seems to change, we're still around I'm playing my six-bit dip into ground We are engineered, ain't the team of war machine Come with us, corpse, be your own daddy see Now listen to me, to the end of the story We claim what is ours, we hang there for glory I'll get back to ground. Oh, I know it's 
And we have returned. Jeff Wagner, are you there? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Just drinking a little coffee. Awesome. Hey, so we um we didn't really talk about your um your your live your your show going history. Um, what was the first concert that you ever went to? Uh, Kiss on the Creatures of the Night tour with the Plasmatics opening. Wow. Early 1983, 13 years old, mm. completely ruined me for life. <laughs> in what way? In the great, in a great way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I, I'd been following Kiss for a while, but like this, to kind of have the Plasmatics opening up with this, you know, yeah. Wendy Williams with her, you know, her her breasts uh, taped with you know electrician's tape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, chainsawing guitars, going up on forklifts, dousing herself all in water, uh, smashing shit. It was just like, it was crazy. And uh, I, I had never seen anything quite like it. So mm. uh, they kind of upstaged Kiss in one way. Um, and it just, you know, I, I kind of think that was a point where I thought, well, anything goes in music. It's It can just be as radical as hell. And, uh, and yeah, that's interesting it, that, that Kiss would have chosen the plasmatics because of what they do. And I guess they, I mean, not that Kiss ever has any fear of of having anyone open for them. But, right, right. Um, you know, they they have it down, whatever they do. Right, and they were great. You know, the Creatures era, for me as a fan, it was one of their best. But, um, yeah, they were, they were, they were uh, pretty daring to take a band like Plasmatics out at that time, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, that was my first one. What uh, what band have you seen live more than any other band? Uh, I think Kiss, and I mm. think the second one is probably Voivod. Awesome. Um, those are the two that pop up to, to mind cool. readily. Yeah. So we just heard uh, Nice Dreams from Power Mad. And uh, what would you like to say about Power Mad? Uh, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's a great song. I think yeah. that's one of these just super classic songs. And um, you know, if you know it, you know it is. Uh, came out in, like the late '80s. It was kind of. It was a weird album. Like I've I've gone. I've had that album like three or four different times. I finally still have it, and I think I'm gonna keep it forever. But it's so inconsistent. It's got some like really boring stuff on it, and it's got some really great stuff on it. Uh, and that song is like a, a total highlight. And they're kind of in this world of like sort of melodic thrash, maybe melodic power metal, kind of a, a mesh of all that stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, really great band uh, when they're when they're great. Um, but uh, they they never never released another album, so they don't even have a single hundred percent awesome album out there. But they do have some great songs. Hmm. And then uh, previous to Power Mad, we heard from Vector. Yeah, Vector. I mean, like, there's this whole wave of, like, new thrash out there now, and, and it's, I think a lot of it's just, like, B-grade, C-grade, copycat, clone stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just not really all that interesting. Not not for not for people like us who went through the first wave of thrash, anyway. I, at least it isn't for me, but... Um, yeah, well, you get, it's sort of jaded, and, and you know, you're like, show me something Show me something special. new, you know, I mean, do something new. And, and this is the thing about Vector, is they are doing something new with that great form. You know, they, they have touchstones to, like, Sadis and Slayer and, of course, Voivod and Destruction and Creator in their sound, but they're totally doing something new with it, and they are, they're just super interesting. I think they're a super great band, one of the best young bands out there right now in metal, uh, and they're phenomenal live, too. Any other um, newer bands that you would endorse now? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a few. Um, you know, a lot of them are sort of just kind of on the periphery of metal, though, um, like Baroness. You know, I mean, mm. I guess you can just consider them new. Uh, at least they are to me. I, I just don't hear, like, a ton of really, really brand new bands uh, coming up there. 
that are super amazing. Uh-huh. Um, not in the metal world so much. I know that makes me sound old and jaded, but <laughs> surprise, I'm old and jaded. You know, um, I've got, finally had to face facts on that. So, <laughs> well, and being in the world of music, it's like you're way overexposed, and at some point, I mean, things yeah. are gonna just. I don't know if they just sound the same. Like I have days where I really can't listen to music. Okay, right. Just like right. no, it's a quiet day today. Right. I yeah. I, th- I think taking a, taking a quiet day is a yeah. very healthy thing to do. In fact, I, I'll name drop between the buried and me. I think they're excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're far beyond sort of the whole sort of world that they kind of came from. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what the world that is. Maybe deathcore or progressive deathcore or technical death metal. I don't know. But um, they're amazing. So that's that's and I consider them new too. That's Again, that's how old I am. So, <laughs> do you have what? What's on your? Uh, we're getting close to the end of the year. I'm guessing that someone's going to be asking you for your top ten. Oh uh, yeah, they already have. Uh, Decibel already has. I, I write for Decibel, and they've they've already solicited the top top twenty. And I'm like, well, these five albums aren't even out yet, you know. Mm. <laughs> but it's okay. You know, I I, I know what they're doing. Um, yeah. The t- for me, the tops this year. There's three very well, five very clear ones: um, Baroness, Yellow, and Green. Mm-hmm. Um, Witchcraft's Legend album, I mm-hmm. think, is phenomenal. Um, I've been listening to them since the first album, and I yeah. I really enjoy the sort of way they've gone with the recording um, mm-hmm. in terms of not not doing the basement thing again. And I think that I think that guy is an amazing vocalist. Yeah, and I think they they become even better songwriters along with him being a better vocalist. So that album's amazing to me. Um, Deftones' new one is incredible. Um, Anathema's Weather Systems. I think just about every time Anathema puts out a new album, they're on the top of my list. Yeah. Uh, and the Mars Volta, um, Nocturnicate. Um, so already there, you know, just some, some stuff a little bit outside the, the metal sphere, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that's that's my world, I guess. Nice. <laughs> new Enslaved is great. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't actually heard that yet. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. The, the Yisan album was excellent. Indeed, yeah. Yep. Where, do you have any over overview of where you think that metal is headed uh I, you know it's funny it's it's you can look at it two ways commercially um it's really strong like you're seeing a lot of bands release albums and they're landing on the billboard top 200 that's because metal fans still pay for music um whether it's physical or, or digital um and i think that's wonderful i think metal will never probably go through um the kind of low period it did in the early in the mid '90s, um, where there didn't seem to be a lot of visibility, or it seemed like there were a lot of little scenes that were dead. Right. Um, it's really happening on a lot of le- different levels right now, which I, I think, from a commercial standpoint and from just a general standpoint, I think that's great. Um, creatively, I just don't, I just don't want to predict. I'm not a great Nostradamus, and I tend to avoid those kind of questions. And mm-hmm. I don't want to avoid your question, but. Um, you know, there are very few bands, I think, that are taking it somewhere new. I think Vector's one of them. I think uh, Enslaved still are kind of doing some interesting things. Um, and there's, a, there, there's always a handful of bands out there doing great stuff. But where it's all headed, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Mm. I mean, all I know is it's, it's, it's having fabulous success in terms of, like, you know, festivals and live shows and, you know... Um, yeah, it is great. I mean, in terms of, do you, you, you have people who sort of know your history and maybe were not as connected with you years ago and sort of treat you differently because you're like this metal metal uh, uh, authority now as opposed to being just like that crazy guy into minutia and knowing all that stuff before? 
Well, sure. I think the longer you're in it and the longer you keep doing it, where whether it's a label thing or a magazine thing or a book thing, I've, I've done kind of all that stuff. And, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the longer you stick with it and um, maybe the more authority people think you have. But I'm just a fan. Well, you know? and, yeah, and it, it has become more popular, too. It has. It really has. And, like, you know, it's not uncommon to walk down the street now and see a municipal waste T-shirt uh, mm. or an emperor T-shirt or something like that. I mean, it's it just it's kind of more above ground now. I don't even know if there's any such thing as the underground anymore. Right. Um, which is fine. I, you know, whatever. It, 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 you know, as long as there are hordes of people still in the metal, still going to the shows, still hopefully buying the music. Metal um, hordes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot more people out there. And plus, I think people, you know, you, you know, the older fans are getting older but sticking with it, and then you've got the younger generations coming on, so it's just kind of like a growing thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's certainly not a fad, and it's 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 not. Once you get into it as a kid, uh, if you're truly into it, you never really grow out of it. Right. You know, when I hear people say, "Oh, I was into metal, but I grew out of it," I'm like, "Well, you were never you were into never it into it. <laughs> you're never really truly into it because right. you know, yes, tastes change, and there are some bands I'm not into it the way I used to be, but uh, you know, to just completely discard it entirely, uh, I just can't relate to that. I guess right. Yeah. We have a, a question. Speaking of the metal hordes, I've got a question from a listener. If you were accosted by the metal inquisition, what method of death would you expect? <laughs> and they have, a, they have a multiple choice here, unless you have something that comes to mind right away. Um, starving dogs, being attacked by starving dogs, uh, death by boredom, death by guillotine, or death by hanging by the neck until dead? Death by boredom would be the worst. Ooh. Yeah. Because I just, I, yeah. I'm never bored, and uh, there's just too much to take in in this world. So death by boredom would absolutely be the worst punishment, mm. far and beyond all that other gory stuff, absolutely. So it's hard to bore you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, the only time I'll be bored is if I don't take a book to a waiting room in a, in a dentist office, but, uh, you know, that's my choice. So I always take a book everywhere I go because I hate waiting in lines. I hate being bored. What's the, what book are you reading right now? Uh, right now I'm reading Retromania by Simon Reynolds. Uh, mm. The subtitle is Pop Culture's Addiction to Its Own Past. Uh, and it covers things like um, the shrinking of, of the importance of physical music, um, you know, uh, this phenomenon of covering entire albums live, just sort of this whole, like, wave of nostalgia that's kind of hitting pop music right now. Yeah. Um, and music, just metal, it happens in metal, too. Right. Um, so... Hmm. And yeah, and that that actually, um, I did want to ask you: um, Would your book be? Would you consider doing an ebook with your book? Uh, it is out there as an ebook. Oh, it is out there. Yep, okay. Amazon, Kindle, and I think what's the other one? I'm not up on e- ebooks, but Bazillion Points did not want to do it. They were like, "Our books are works of art." Not, not you know, they don't say that in a haughty way, and I don't. Sure, right. I'm sure I'm not really even quoting them. Well, they work e- really hard. They're yeah, awesome. You know. They work. They they look beautiful they're, yep. they're meant to be looked at and as well as read um, and so kept in a library yeah know, yeah so so Ian was kind of against it but I think for some reason because of the subject matter of my book we had a little more uh, request for it than some of the other books they had put out um, so he finally broke down and decided to do it and I gave him my blessing to do that so, oh, good. yes it is available in digital form do you have any feedback or statistics on that like how it has done uh, no, well, yes and no, because it, it, we started it a little bit late, um, so I haven't seen anything actually recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the initial figures were nice because uh, there were all those people that had been demanding it, you know, and they finally, they finally got it. Um, but no, I just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm due to 
to get a statement on that by the end of the year. So. Cool. Well, that's interesting. It's another. It's an interesting thing to uh, to keep track of. Oh, who, sure. Who would have thought back in the in the day that uh, a writer would be looking at you know downloads of books and yeah, we're living in the science fiction future we always heard about as kids, right? Yeah, it's yeah. finally here. We don't have flying cars, but everything else is about out there. Yeah, so. Where is that? Like, I'm still waiting to be able to get beamed somewhere. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't that w- teleportation? Oh. Yeah. Come on. That would be fantastic. I would have seen Voivod in London last week, too. I was going to say, that would know. allow us to see lots of great shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the last show you saw? Uh, let's see. Um, Primordial, oh. All Heaven Wept, and Vector. And th- there again, you know. Wow. Shows, yeah. Um, all three bands were great. And, yeah. um, you know, what can I say? That was a phenomenal show. All, all three of them are excellent live. Uh, and that was about three weeks ago. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I want to um, go into your next playlist. Oh, sure. Um, let me remind myself what all that is. Um, yeah, Cynic is going to be the first one up, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, this is from their second album, the, the sort of comeback album. Um, and I, I really, you know, having written a book on progressive metal, I, it's hard to, it's a hard term to define, and I think a lot of different people have a lot of different definitions for what that all means. Uh, my my definition is pretty open ended, uh, but I think Cynic is a band that completely defines what it is to be progressive and to be metal. Um, who knows where they're going to go in the future? I think they're veering away from metal entirely. But um, this track from their second album is, you know, still very much in the in the prog metal mold. I think, um, and then something radically different after that: uh, Carbonized, Hypnotic Aim. Uh, members of Entombed and Therion did this thing in early 90s. Um, mm. And this is from their first album. They they went some weird places afterwards, but this is just like a minute and a half blast of total, like, grinding death madness, and I just absolutely love it. It's uh, it's a nice bit of caffeinated shock to the system, I think. <laughs> um, and then the final one, we can talk about it when we come back, maybe, from the break. Okay, it's, yeah. uh, it's one of my favorite cathedral songs. We will do that. So cool. my guest is Jeff Wagner. And uh, the photo I have of you up here now is uh, kind of growling at a chalkboard. Oh, yeah, that's the uh, author photo for the book. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got the mean deviation formula, the mathematical mean deviations. Oh, uh, well, you know, that's funny because in leading up to this interview, I you know, Googled mean deviation a few times just to, you know, to get photos or whatever. And, of course, the whole math thing comes up. I'm like, oh, God, right. Okay. Right, right. Can I say something real quick? We were, I was out buying... Um, uh, uh, bathroom countertops, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, and I give this guy my email address, and I have a mean deviation email address. Uh-huh. So I give it to him, and he says, oh, you're you're a statistician. <laughs> like, hardly. No, you are, though. <laughs> but that's it. You are about metal and about... Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a geek of a different sort. Right. Sure. I should have said that. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, I just laughed and said no. Hardly. <laughs> that is funny. The collision <laughs> of two worlds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. So uh, we're going to hear some Cynic next. Next, uh, Jeff Wagner is my guest. We are WFMU. And uh, where, what have I done with the Cynic track? Let's see. Oh, it's over there. Okay. Oh, that's not it. That's TNT. I know it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh-oh, foreshadowing. Name okay. that tune. <laughs> okay.
We are WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WFMU.org. My guest is Jeff Wagner, Mr. Wagner. Hello. 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 So some uh, some cathedral at the end of that set. Yeah, that's uh, uh, a band I've liked for a long, long time. And uh, probably my favorite cathedral song right there. Mm. Um, not probably my, I think my favorite album is probably the, uh, the first one, Forest of Equilibrium. Totally slow, morose, slit your wrist, doom sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the Ethereal, Ethereal Mirror album has a ton of good stuff on it, and uh, I just think that song is pretty outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. And they're and they're gone. They've they've left us cathedral. Yeah, I think it was probably about time though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I you know I say that as a reverential and respectful fan, but they uh, you know I think I think their best days were behind them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, still sad to see him go, and, and uh, I don't know. Would it, would, it, would it sound really dickish of me to say that it, it's, you know, it's, a, it's nice to see some bands know when to quit? Oh, no, that's, that's a very, yeah, I, I understand that sentiment perfectly. Yeah, you know, I mean, why, why not go out when you're still strong? Mm-hmm. And, and I think they were. I think they were, you know, the last few albums have definitely had uh, a lot going for them, but why not? Yeah, yeah. very good. And uh, we have a, a question from a listener for you. Um, did, oh, John Bush, Neil Turbin, or Joey Belladonna in terms of anthrax vocalist? <sighs> Neil Turbin. Nice! Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I, I say that, the reason I hesitated was because John Bush is awesome, but he's, he's yes. way more awesome than Armored Saint. Armored Saint, yeah. Yeah, sure. he's, he's utterly fantastic, but mm-hmm. I just think that that's the band he belongs in, but... Now, Fistful of Metal is, is the one. Yeah. And that's Urban. one of those things, like, how many thousands of albums have they put out after that? It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. please, come know. on. Quite a career arc, yeah. uh, creatively. but <laughs> You have the best way of saying things that are not necessarily nice. <laughs> you learn how to be political after, you know, 20 years of, of being sort of in the quote-unquote industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or <laughs> diplomatic, maybe. And uh, and it is your chosen industry. I mean, you're definitely you know you're you're metal inside and out. Yeah, you know, I've, I guess I've probably gotten my paycheck uh, exclusively because of metal since 1994. So wow, it worked for me. And, and you know, I'm not fabulously rich or anything, but um, it's it's you know I've I've made my living from it. And uh, what what better way? You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm. I'm lucky, and I know that. Who would you say was your most difficult um, interview, in t- band or individual-wise? Or? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> this is probably going to come as no surprise, but, um, well, actually, two, two, two things pop into my head. One was Dave Mustaine. Mm. Um, although he was a lot nicer than I thought he'd be, but he was also, I tried to ask some some unusual and different questions, and he wasn't really having any of it. Mm. Uh, that was in the cryptic writings era. Um, but, you know, he was he was a challenge. He's, he's definitely a different and unique individual. Um, and the other, the other one was uh, Johan Edlin from Tiamat, who I interviewed twice. Ah. And he was Mr. Three-Word Answer, you know. Um, you know, I'd, I'd ask a question, hopefully a good question, and he would give me a yes or a no and, and maybe a couple... Yeah, I guess. No, I think it's okay. 
you got to wonder what a, what's a band thinking <laughs> when they're sending out somebody like that to do an interview. Right. And this is the, this is the creative force behind the band. Right. Know, this, is, this is the one and only guy in team out, basically. <laughs> and uh, this is this is I guess what it just you. comes out through music in no other way. Yeah, well, f- and fair enough. Yeah, these guys aren't uh, necessarily supposed to be conversationalists. Right. But. See, like where you know what to say, like, you know, politically and what you just, you know, said before, they don't. No, and it's not their job to. Right, yeah. yeah. Or to, to take a great line from Spinal Tap, it's not your job to be as confused as Nigel. <laughs> Everybody has their, fi- their favorite uh, spinal, spinal Tap lines. I have about 67. Oh, oh good. Yeah. <laughs> what's another one? Uh, what's another one? Um, uh, the very last line, I don't know, what are the hours? Right, right, exactly. Or, or where Marty DeBerge asks uh, the bassist, um, so basically you're saying you feel like a preserved moose on stage <laughs> after, after some conversation that leads up to him making that assumption. There's a, there's a bazillion of them. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. That's yeah, a great movie. Um, and, and, you know, when we were off mic, you were talking about um, metal still being a... a a, uh, a vital stronghold in uh, in people buying physical music. Well, it, yeah, in the, in, in the commercial world uh, of, of um, music and, and sales, uh, you know, it's no wonder that bands like Amon Amarth and Between the Buried and Me and quite a few others have made the Billboard Top 200. It, it would have been unthinkable 10 years ago, 15 right. years ago. Right. Um, it's because there are p- less people buying music um, and I think the the ratio of, of metal fans buying music is greater than that of uh, you know music selling to other kinds of fans and other different scenes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so so it kind of like you know it's a little lopsided. It turns the tables a little bit, and it's and it's great. It, it uh, you know makes people pay attention, and uh, we're just very lucky, I think, to be in a genre where people are still paying for their music. They still you know there's there's, there's a lot of you know digital purchasing going on, of course, and that's fine, too, but uh, there are plenty of people that uh, are still wanting the top-quality sound that you get through CDs or vinyl. Um, mm-hmm. I think they like having the library at home. I think they like the artwork, uh, and I think they feel like they don't really connect with an album unless they have it right in their hands. Um, so, you you know, we still have a lot of loyal people buying music, and I just think that's utterly fantastic and we're, we're lucky to have that it's you know it, it keeps uh you know the, the distro i work for cm distro it keeps that alive it keeps relapse alive it keeps the end uh mailer alive it keeps you know anybody's got a hell's headbangers alive right um, it's 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 a fantastic thing and we're just you know I, you know every morning i wake up and i consider myself kind of lucky that that i am still making a living from um the fact that people are still buying music mm-hmm. you know um, and yeah. I still buy music. Yeah. And I hope none of us ever stops doing that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an important value. It might be an old school value f- to a lot of people, but well, it's an old school value, but it's 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 sort of re it's sort of juxtaposed within a new time. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. that's what's interesting because you're right, and, and and there's more passion I think in metal just for people who really love it, and uh, you know, pop music doesn't. I don't think it really creates that same bond and that that same connectedness in whatever way. So people are like, yeah, yeah, I'll download that. Yeah, yeah, you can burn that for me or you know whatever. Yeah, it's a and it's a different mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even saying there's there's a right or wrong about it, but yeah, uh, I'm just really glad that we're you know the, the the loyalty that I have 
been a part of and seen in metal since I've gotten into it is, is still there. Um, and it's never really truly waned. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That, that's, that is, it is super, and I'm really glad that you brought that point up. And I just want to remind the listeners that um, you can get Jeff's book, Mean Deviation, on the bazillionpoints.com website. Um, and uh, we think that they still have some signed copies. Yeah, they should. That. And it is available on Amazon and, and other retail outlets as well, as well. And I know that you have to go. And uh, before you go into what your, your next set is, because Jeff is going to pre-announce the next set, and uh, I just want to thank you for making your appearance, and especially for the passion that comes through. You know, I mean, you're just, you're there for metal, and that's, you know, and you're a, a huge music fan and and very well spoken you're a good representative like if if you had to if there was a whole PMRC thing again you know like when Frank Zappa went to congress oh yeah like i i was comfortable with the fact that he was there and Dee Snyder, uh, yeah. also well-spoken, yeah, super yeah. intelligent. And I think he surprised the hell out of everybody by being well-spoken. It's this guy from Twisted Sister, right, right, exactly, intelligent man. Yeah, you know? and uh, but you would be you would be my vote. Oh well, that gosh, kind of thing thank you. That's again. a huge compliment. That's yeah. a huge compliment. Yeah. So no, thank you, thank you very much. I mean, you know, the best thing about what I do is the fact that I've had so many people over the years tell me I got into this album because of you, or you know, they read my book and they tell me I got a list of twenty-five albums I'm going to buy. I mean, that's, that's better than anything. That's better than any other reward I could get. So, mm. uh, again, I, I, I feel very lucky that I'm able to turn masses of people onto stuff. Yeah, and that's your life. Here. And thank you. And from the masses of people, thank you. You know, that's I'm not sure what masses are. I'm not, sure, I'm not well, talking about you know, millions of people. Little here. masses, big masses, <laughs> you know. <laughs> whatever a metal mass is. Whatever <laughs> right. Is. Some unorganized religion masses. Sure. Uh, in, a, in whatever way. But, um, so, your, uh, your, your, your final... Uh, third and final set. Yeah, the third and final set. Um, it looks to me like there's basically three high-pitched vocalists and one very guttural one coming up. Nice. So, <laughs> um, you know, that would be uh, While Heaven Wept uh, mm-hmm. with the song Vessel from their 2009 album, uh, Vast Ocean's Lacrimose. Very much an album that I think they, uh, is very Fate's Warning um, influenced, and they make a note of that in the liner notes. Uh, just totally great, epic, melodic, doom-laden metal. Um, next out, next song is uh, Desperate Night by TNT. Uh, this is a band that I have had a fixation on for years. Uh, I just think they're one of the best melodic metal Euro bands out there. Uh, Tony Harnell, one of the best singers of all time. Um, and Desperate Night is this cool, kind of atmospheric, slick, sort of classy, brooding song. Um, love it. And I actually geeked out to uh, this album with the guys in Opeth once. Nice. Um, so they, they, they know the deal with TNT. They're, they're a phenomenal band. Mm-hmm. Um, Next track will be Watchtower, uh, Hidden Instincts, the, of course, kind of infamous uh, jazz fusion tech metal quartet, um, completely whacked out stuff, um, with uh, Alan Tecchio on vocals of uh, New Jerseyite, or New Jerseyan, I don't know how you say it. I think it's New Jerseyan. New Jerseyan, mm-hmm. Alan Tecchio on vocals. Um, and then finally, just with a smear of Totally classic old school death metal. Uh, something from Death's first album, Infernal Death, nice. uh, is the song from Scream Bloody Gore, mm-hmm. and that just totally rules. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and and you've said plenty. <laughs> I, I tend to do that. I'm very sorry about that. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> okay, no, it's all good. I would like to invite you back anytime. Oh, I'd love to be here. I, you a lot love of your playlist. You have a great show, and thank you for your part in, uh, in spreading the metal. Yeah, well, thank you. So my guest has been Jeff Wagner. We're going to go into his final set, and he won't be on the line afterwards. So um, 
thank you. Bye bye. Have, have fun. Yeah. Buy your music. Uh, stay healthy. Be kind to animals. And um, send me all the unused vinyl records that you don't want. Fabulous. So we're going to listen to some Well Heaven Wept next. Please stay tuned. One off the new album, Fast Ocean Sacramentist is entitled Vessel.
that wraps it up for today's podcast thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work we are WFMU